Good morning. Welcome to the Rock Church at what we know to be the Rock Church. And in a month, we'll be saying welcome to the Rock Church at the Roxy. As uh, we have made that announcement last week, we're doing a summer church experiment. And um, if you want to see the whole full announcement of that, please go back to last Sunday's service on YouTube. And it's in the last 10 minutes. But uh, what one thing you can know about... The idea of different space is basically sometime shortly after we did the renovation of this building in 2016, the board, the elders began to pray about what if God ever blessed this place that the size wouldn't, wouldn't hold us, that the ceiling needed to be lifted off, so to speak. It's hard to imagine that uh, things have progressed to where they are, that we're getting to be able to try an experiment like this, but it, it isn't just a spur of the moment kind of without preparation and prayer and calculated risk and uh, intentional experiment. The, the reason this decision can be made and this experiment can move forward is because God has placed a team of elders in place that pray that discern that have trust and work together in unity to figure out and discern where god is leading us they are under christ's christ's authority in this place and he moves through them so a couple years ago the the elders made the decision to go to two services and uh, we tried that experiment and that worked and now we are trying this experiment we're about to install craig funk as Elder, And so I'm taking a few minutes to talk a bit about eldership because in order for a church to move forward in what God has, had, has for them and to be obedient, it takes a team that's willing to be to do the work of becoming united, of trusting each other, of praying together and discerning. And so I'm very, very grateful for this team of elders who God has put in place. And I would really appreciate it if you would give them a warm round of applause in Thanksgiving for what they do. Before we bring uh, Craig and Rachel up here, just want to say a few things about being an elder. What does a board of elders do? It's a grouping of people that are responsible for the primary leadership and oversight of the church. They shepherd, they oversee, they lead, they care for the, the local church. Each local church has, has elders. The word elder and pastor and overseer are all really kind of the same thing. It's not a small task, it's not a small responsibility. An elder is to help facilitate the vision that God has given to the church. Elders, are account, uh, elders of this church are accountable to God and to you to see that we are being obedient in what God wants for us. Elders are to help care for and to help serve you, this amazing body of believers that God has placed here and is growing. Being an elder is a position of service and humility, not of power and position. It says we're to imitate Christ, that he is the good shepherd and he would lay down his life for the sheep. He commands us as elders to lay down our lives for the sheep, for this congregation. Elder is not a title or a power title. It's a function. It's one to be stepped into soberly, understanding the importance and responsibility of the function of elder. Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy, and we read his words here when he's giving instructions about eldership. 
in chapter 3, it says, he, Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? There's sober words for all of us. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. The Rock Church, we believe, operates in this way, and we want to operate in this way, believing that God calls and places people into leadership of his body. To use a secular term, you might call the elders middle management. God is the one in charge. He is the boss. And uh, then there is a level of people that are needed in order to exact out God's authority and his intentions and his will for this place. We as elders, as I get to be on that team as well, pray and seek God as to who should serve in this role. And then we ask them to consider it. This past fall, we celebrated 25 years of the Rock Church. And over the life of the church, there's probably been about that many people serve in the role of elder or on the board. There's been young and old. I'll let you decide which category I fall into. And if you get it wrong, there'll be a discussion. We've had men and women. We've had different ethnicities. We've had people say yes. We've had people say no. We've had people decline after a season where the timing or the fit wasn't right. I want you to know that over the years, there are times we have asked people and they have said no. And that brings me great comfort, not because those particular people said no, but that people take it seriously enough to consider and to be able to give a God-centered answer. When someone says yes to coming on the board, they're agreeing to come on for a year in order for both the board and them to see and to test if the role and the fit are indeed right and that we can continue to move forward as a team. You see, the board, the elders are not the official opposition of all that God wants to do in this church. They are actually the ones to facilitate it. They are ones to hold that vision and to help empower it to move forward and to be the foundational people to it. And so over that course of a year, when we invite somebody to come on, it's like putting out the fleece piece, as we talked about last week. It's an experiment for, the, for a year that the person that we're inviting on can try it without pressure. The board can try it without pressure and to see if we can operate in unity and strength together. During this time of a year, the congregation is, is really kind of taking note of what's going on and to see if there's anything that does not align with, the, with that person being an elder and so that you are able to step up and to speak to the eldership if there is concern. We have some questions that we're going to ask of Craig and Rachel and then of you as we... Um, Make a covenant of integrity and trust to step forward in this. So would you give a warm welcome to Craig and Rachel Funk as they come ahead at the sign? (laughs) 
Craig and Rachel. We had public dissension in the first service as we tried to remember how long they've come to this church. But we've got it figured out. And the main thing is they are coming to this church and we're grateful for that. And so Craig, as, the, as being invited on the board, do you, and to be an elder, do you promise to live a life growing in intimacy and discipleship to Jesus Christ? I do. Craig, do you choose to make your first place of ministry your home and to love your wife as Christ loved the church and to give your life for Rachel? Yes. Did you want that any stronger? Is that good? It's good, eh? It's, every marriage couple would like me up here pronouncing those agreements between people. Craig, do you promise to love this church, this body of Christ, and to serve her in humility, in love for Christ, and for each of these, his people? Yes, I do. Do you promise to seek God and the working of God's spirit through prayer, to labor together in unity with your fellow elders, that you would nurture your heart to be able to see the will of God accomplished through the Rock Church and what he has for the kingdom of God? Understanding it is both a privilege and an honor to be called of God into this role and that you will give an account for this calling. Yes, I do. Rachel, do you promise to live a life in growing intimacy and discipleship to Christ? Do you promise, do you commit to continue loving and growing in relationship with Craig? I will. Will you support and pray for Craig in this role of elder and to love and honor Christ's beloved, his children here in the Rock Church? Yes. Congregation, will you stand as you receive your challenge? And it, at this time, we'll ask Ken and Pam and Rachel and Bruce to make their way towards the front as well. Congregation, do you acknowledge the role of elder in the body of Christ as anointed and, and appointed by God? If so, you may answer, we do. Do you commit to pray for and give thanks for, to God for those he has placed in leadership and authority, knowing that they will give an account to him on how they lead you? If so, you may answer, we do. Do you commit to love and support Craig and Rachel as they begin to serve and operate in this calling along with the rest of the elders and their spouses, knowing that you will give an account to God in how you honor them? Sorry, I should, I should have given you the help. If so, you can answer, we do. Thank you. My apologies. Left you hanging. I'm going to invite Leah to come up at this time, too, and we're going to pray over Craig and Rachel. Craig and Rachel, you step in the middle. We got a few more people here this time and we'll step in around you and you are free church to bow your head and close your eyes as we pray reach out a hand if you'd like as we pray and install craig heavenly father i thank you for uh, a beautiful and amazing god that you are i thank you that you love us i thank you that you lead us and that you care for us incredibly lord i thank you for craig and rachel i thank you that you have brought them to the rock church I thank you that you have brought them here for this, for such a time as this, Lord, to function in the role of eldership. I pray your covering upon them. I pray that um, you would work in and through them, Lord. I pray that this would be a task that gives them joy and that uh, brings forth your glory in the Rock Church, Lord. And so I ask your presence upon them and their marriage, their children, and I just pray your covering. Um, 
on them as they go forward. I pray you're covering upon this church as well as they embrace Craig and Rachel for this role. In your most holy name, Jesus, amen. Amen. And just a word of encouragement from Isaiah 33. For he is your sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation, of wisdom and understanding. The key, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Amen. Bless you, folks. Yeah, let's give them a warm round of applause again. Yeah, well, thanks, everyone. It's a real uh, privilege and honor, of course, to serve, serve all of you. And uh, uh, since we've been coming here, it's been nice to get to know many of you. And uh, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is just uh, the support for the, the leadership in the church here and for Dallas and, and the team. And, uh, you know, it's just really important, as, as Dallas has already said, just to keep us in your prayers. And I, you know, I have to say myself that I felt the strength already just from the prayers that, that are already coming. So I really appreciate that. And, yeah, I'm very blessed. Thank you. Awesome. So great, great, Craig and Rachel, thanks for doing that and stepping on. Well, today we have the privilege of having Bruce and Marilyn Pringle with us. And uh, Bruce, I have known of for literally decades and in a, in a closer way for just the past 10 or 12 years. Bruce grew up in a foster home for a good portion of his life. He made his decision for Christ in his late teen years, around the age of 19, but he he was taken to church at different times, and one of his favorite parts about church was getting to go to camp in the summer. And so Bruce has been a huge advocate of uh the camps that we do and as we focus on food as our main thing we don't have horses we don't have bmx bikes we put all our energy into really great food that was his highlight of camp as well when he went uh so bruce has been a huge encouragement over the years in in encouraging us to see that the outreach ministry to children and youth continue on to see that this church becomes a place that's safe for those of us who are broken and can find hope and healing and love in jesus that we'd be a safe place to build community that there wouldn't just be relationship with christ but a safe place to have relationship with each other Bruce is a husband and father. He's been a teacher. He is a counselor. He traveled with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Most recently, been a pastor at Arendelle Alliance Church. He's an author and has written a great counseling book. And he's had a special heart to pour into pastors and their marriages over the years. And when he would pour into us over this past decade, he would often make reference to, if I pour into you guys and help you guys get whole and healthy, then my influence trickles out into other people that I'll never get to meet or work with. So we are very grateful, Lee and I, to Bruce and Marilyn and for the work that you have done and God has used to help bring healing to our lives and we're gonna be e eternally grateful. He has met with our eldership at different times. He has give counsel to us. And so there is a 
a piece of Bruce in this church that's built into the foundation that you will never see like a fancy door, but is built into the structure and cornerstone. And so we're grateful that he has been a part of this place over the years. First Timothy 5.17 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Would you help me give double honor to Dr. Pringle as he comes to preach to us today with a great round of applause? Thank you, bud. Awesome. We're so happy to have you here. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for Bruce and Marilyn and for your gift and call on their life. God, we thank you for the years of experience, your faithfulness to him. And we're thankful for the peace you have allowed him to play in the life of the journey of this church over the last decade. And so, God, we pray blessing over him as and anointing that you would use him again, that you would strengthen him, and that the words that you have for us would come through and our hearts would be soft and it would go into good ground and we would be changed by the power of the Spirit and the, the authority of your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Go, Dr. Bruce. Thank you. I'm very thankful for my friend, Irwin Lutzer. I uh, got to know him before he was doctor and uh, pastor of Moody Bible Church and so on. He was just starting out teaching at Briarcrest when I was a student back there, finished up my last year. And uh, one thing he has said over the years, not just to me, but to many others, if a message is worth preaching once, it's worth preaching twice. Right? And uh, I don't write like him and I don't preach like him, but uh, he is a very, very special friend we've known for a long, long time. Jim was an engineer. We became friends because uh, my wife, Fern, and his wife were friends. Our kids were connected. The difference between Jim and his family and myself was Jim was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, we'd have a share time, and I would ask Jim if he'd like to make a commitment to Christ, and he said no. And I said, can you tell me why? And he said, sure. He said, I don't believe the Bible is true. I said, okay. Every once in a while, I'd ask him the question, and he'd say, I don't believe Satan is true. I don't think Satan is real. And I said, would you mind having a Bible study with me on some of these things in the Word of God and about Satan, about God and the Trinity and so He said, sure. He was successful in his business. Jim has already gone to heaven, so you know what's coming. As we shared over the time and his family prayed, I think it was about one in the morning, in front of our fireplace in our living room, Jim looked at me and said, Bruce, let's do it bowed his head and invited Jesus Christ to come into his heart and into his life. One of the sweetest notes that I ever received in my life was from his daughter. Michelle wrote this beautiful note to me, and I don't keep much stuff. I'm not a memorabilia guy, but it was something like this. Thank you for being a friend of my dad and helping him find Jesus. From the very beginning, 
he has changed completely as a husband and as a father. I look back on that and, you know, I basically say that was Jesus. I'm thankful that I was in the way. And if we can be in the way to help people find Christ, that's the most important thing. Today we're talking about we beheld his glory. I'm just going to invite you to have a little walk with me on my devotional time that I had a number of months ago. I came across the passage of scripture that reminded me of that. And I began to do a Bible study on we beheld his glory from the Old and New Testament. As a result of that, uh, a message came and that's what you're going to receive today. As I was going through the book of John, in my devotional time, I love John. I'm more like Peter than John, kind of hot-headed and things like that, but John was so gentle, loved him. So as I was reading in chapter 1, reminds us of beholding his glory. Of course, as we look at that particular situation, we see that he was with Jesus basically from the very beginning as, as a disciple. And he reminds his audience, he reminds us even today, in the beginning was Jesus. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the life shined in darkness. Jesus was the light. And the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness could not extinguish it. All we have to do is follow some of our dear friends in some of the countries around the world that are suffering persecution today. Their light is still shining. Their light is shining. They cannot destroy the light of the Lord Jesus in their life. And that's what John is talking about. He goes on further saying of Jesus, he was in the world and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came onto his own, the Jewish people, and his own knew him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of man. And as we look at that particular situation, John comes to the place, he said, we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God. And we'll touch on that as we look at the New Testament theme. And then just before that, I'll look at the Old Testament theme of beholding his glory. Now, we don't have that beautiful example of Jesus coming to us as we will look at some of these illustrations from God's word. But we have this book and through this book, we behold his glory as we read it. It speaks to us. And that's what changed my life as a young man. As Della said, grew up in a foster home, was kicked out, age 16, whatever. Was on my own. The only trouble is, the lady that took me in the second time was a Christian. 
and said, you can come and stay with me on one condition you go to church. And that was fine. I went to church as a kid. My brother and I used to crawl under the pews and wait till the message or whatever it was was over and then we'd go back home. Of course, as Dallas said, Bible camp was when I heard first that there was Jesus. Didn't know who he was. Oh, I heard his name. When there was drunkenness in our home and my dad at times was trying to get up my mom and beat her up, I heard cursing. I heard the name of Jesus often, but it was not in love. It was not about the person of Jesus at all. So very, very thankful there was a man by the name of Jack Smith who would not stop praying for me. And some of you heard a little bit of this testimony. Prayed for me until that time that I made that commitment at age 19. I was living in the world, lived in the life that I wasn't proud of, played guitar, lead singer in a dance band, but my life was so empty, so useless. But one time driving my van, I said to God, if you're alive, if you're there, if you want to take over my life, I'll give it to you. Then a very, very short time, God changed my life. As a 19-year-old, I came to know Jesus Christ, and my life has been changed ever since, and I am so very, very thankful for that. As we look at these passages of Scripture today, I'm reminded of reading Jack Hayford and Dick Eastman's book that relates to the power of Almighty God. During that time, in that book, they share that there are actually five Greek words for power. In English, there's just one. We use different words for power, but there are five that they relate to. The five are dynamis, exousia, iscus, kratos, and megalitos. 1 Corinthians 1.24, the Son of God with power, dynamis. The proof is in his resurrection, his death and resurrection. It's interesting, he said to others as I'm sharing with them, the word is finished was not given in Hebrew but it was given in Greek and that word was tetelestia the Greek word there is we one you see when Jesus hung on the cross he bowed his head gave up the ghost and said we won in other words Satan is defeated I'm open to all the ones that want to respond to me, and I'm very thankful that he came into my heart and into my life. That same word is used in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power, dynamis. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We could say that here because we have people in this congregation that are from all over the city and outside the city, and you're a witness. We're very, very thankful. We're so proud of Dallas and Leah. We cheer them on. They're prayed for pretty well every day because we love them. We want the very, very best and the leadership as well. And they know that it's the Lord Jesus Christ that's put them in this place. It's the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit that keeps them going that anoints them and blesses their marriage and blesses their home. And we're so very, very thankful. We're so proud of them. 
that God has given them power to stay in ministry all these years. I think he's probably, they're probably the longest standing pastors in our city. And uh, if not, they're very, very close to it. And we're so thankful for that. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power, exousia, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that word is also used in Luke 10.17 when Jesus gives his power to the disciples. He says, I'm giving you all power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It was interesting when we were in a, a deliverance group through Christian counseling and others as well. One of our partners in that would always quote this verse before we went into a demonic session and pray that over that session, that Jesus would give us that power in that demonic session to overcome the enemy at that particular time and give you all power, authority. And that is the same one that talks about when we come to Christ, we're given that power, that authority, become the sons and daughters of God. In Second Thessalonians 1, 9, it says, Christ is coming in the glory of his power. It's going to be a day when Jesus is going to come. We don't know. I realize that there are individuals, uh, pastors, evangelists, and others are trying to put a date on when Jesus is coming. We don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. We're looking forward to that, when he's going to come and take us home. In Revelation 5.13, Jesus was worshipped. That passage is blessing and honor and glory and power beyond to him that sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. As we look at that particular situation, we see that that power is a term, megalitos, which is power of Almighty God. He works in our hearts and in our life. And then Christ shows that irresistible power when he prayed for that demonized man and set him free. Over the years, once in a while, we would have someone that had struggled in the area of demonization. Sometimes they got involved in it because they wanted to, looking for power, looking for love, looking for control. And they got the power and control. The only thing is the enemy began to control their life and they had a hard time getting out of it. And so periodically we'd have some share times with some of these individuals. I remember sharing with one lady We'd had all kinds of visitations and so on and was so afraid. And as we began to share, we checked to see whether she had been involved in any areas of the occult and continually come back to, no, not in that, not in that. And then she said, the only thing that I can think of is my grandmother, and I'm not sure whether it was on the father's side or the mother's side, had been involved in occult. She was a witch in Eastern Europe. And so once we found that out, we prayed against that. In no time, she was free. She wasn't having the wild dreams, and she wasn't depressed and suicidal after that. That's what God does, and that's what this verse says. Christ shows irresistible power. They were amazed at Christ's power at that particular time as he cast out the demons. In Hebrews 1, it talks about Jesus Christ as the creator of the world. When I began my Christian walk, I didn't know that there was 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or if I heard the term, I guess we heard it once in a while, but didn't know that the three were involved in creation until I got in front of some good pastors and Bible teachers that taught me that, yes, God the Father was there, and God the Son was there, and God the Holy Spirit was there when the world was created. In the beginning, God created the world. John 1 that we just looked at together, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He was there, and then in Hebrews 1, talks about similar God at different times and different ways. Spoken times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And what did his son do? His son was involved in creation. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit was involved in creation because in Genesis 1, 2, it says, the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters or moved over the waters. And so they were involved in creation. In the same way, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is involved in creation of the new life. When Jim accepted Christ, God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were ministering to him. And it came to conclusion one early morning in our living room when he said yes to Jesus Christ. You see, God's word says the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And we come to Jesus on our own, asking him to forgive us. And prior to that, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And that's what he did in my life, spoke to me before I met the Father and before I met, truly met the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think of that, we think of what Christ wants to do in our life even today. I'm so humbled to think that my little kids, uh, they were little kids to us. Dallas and Leah started out, and the way they are today, we're just so blessed. But you know, the same way they had to start out, just the same way I did. To know Jesus in a personal way and accept him and move from there. And so in creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved. In new creation, therefore, if any man is Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're new on the inside. One thing it seems that I'm relegated to in my old age, and I'm getting up there. As you can tell, I needed some help getting up, and I'll need some help getting down. Uh, If you uh, are interested in, in praying for me, that would be great. I'm blind in my eye, one eye from glaucoma, and I'm almost blind in the other eye from uh, an injection shot that I had a a month or so ago. So I need a little bit of help, and I'm very thankful that God sent Marilyn into my life so she can be the designated driver. I only get drunk with the Holy Spirit. I don't get drunk with the other stuff. All right? Is this Pentecostal enough church that I can say that? All right. I should have checked that out, but (laughs) you know. (laughs) And so I'm very, very thankful. So you can pray for that. Uh, I I had a little talk with God a number of years ago, and I was going through my study in the book of Caleb, and and he was saying, well, I'm 85 years of age, and I'm just as strong now as I was when I was 40. And I said, that's what I'd like. 
I'd like to go at least till 85. So I've got six years to go. Some of you are going to do the math. I, I don't want you to do the math. I want you to listen, okay? I want you to listen to the message. All right. Yes, there we go. God has been so good. I'm so thankful. So I hope that he gives me an opportunity to keep on sharing and preaching and teaching. God has been so good in our life. So we want to look at beholding his glory from the Old Testament and then into the New Testament. Moses was called the meekest man that ever lived. And we know Jesus was really, but that's what he's called. How would you like to be called the meekest man in the world and kill a man? <laughs> That's what he did. He killed a man and then for 40 years he ran. In the backside of the desert, saw a bush burning, went over to check it out and God spoke to him and said, Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And then he spoke out of the bush and said, I'm the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses beheld the glory of Almighty God. It was so powerful to him, the Word of God says he could not look on his face from Genesis chapter 3. It was so powerful. And as we go on, we look at it, the life of David. At times as we look at David's life, we say, you know, he messed up quite a bit. Well, he's kind of like all of us. We mess up as well. But we're very, very thankful that there is forgiveness with God. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every sin that you've ever committed, you can bring to Jesus. You can put it on the cross if you know him personally, and he will cleanse you. He will forgive you. I'll talk about that just at the end as I conclude in just a, a few moments. David was not allowed to build the temple because he was a man of war, God told him. Solomon was a man of peace. And he said, I'm going to let your son build the temple, but you can help supply. Some commentators believe there's something like $100 million in gold and $40 million in, in silver that David gave to the building of the temple. Plus he paid for all kinds of other things, including the workmen that would build that. And then just before he died and in the buildings, he came with this great pronouncement in First Chronicles 29. It says, Thine, O God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O God, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou art exalted above all. And in thy hand is mercy, it's grace, and it's, and it's extended to us. And David knew it so very, very well because he said how blessed it is for God to have mercy on him, to forgive him. And he was involved in that. And of course, we couldn't miss beholding his glory unless we looked at the book of Isaiah Isaiah was a wonderful, wonderful, godly man. Biblical history seems to indicate that he was fleeing from his enemies and he was hid, hidden in a tree and he was cut in half as they cut the tree in half. Hebrews 11, it says, and they were sawn asunder 
and commentators believe that Isaiah was one of the ones that was killed that way, sawed in half by the ones who hated him and his gospel he was preaching at that time. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim's angels, each one having six wings. Two covered his face, two they covered their feet, two they did fly. One cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then as Isaiah saw this great event, he said, even the posts of the door moved at the voice of the one that spoke. And then he said, woe is me, for I am damned. Mine eyes have seen the Lord, the King of glory. One day we'll see him. We'll either see him as a believer or we'll see him as an unbeliever. We as believers, he'll say, welcome home. The unbeliever will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. And so we always want to make sure that we're in right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as we look at that particular situation, we see that God has been so good in the New Testament. We beheld his glory, and I just give you a couple of illustrations. And then in the New Testament, we beheld his glory. Jesus came to John, his cousin, and said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, no, I want you to baptize me. In that dialogue, I don't know how long it took. Scripture doesn't say, but finally, John relented, and he baptized Jesus. John was told by the Holy Spirit that the one who has the dove ascending on him, he is the Son of God. When Jesus came out of the water, that's what John saw. He knew that this indeed was the Son of God. I, I think we knew even before from Scripture that he knew that. And then God the Father spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know what, dear ones? If you have Jesus in your life, God the Father says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. He loves us. That's what he said of his son. Matthew 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. They call it the Mount of Transfiguration to have a visit with them. And of course, we know that Moses and Elijah appeared and had a visit with Jesus. And so if you're wondering whether you'll see your loved ones when you pass away, and you know my story, you know some of you were even at my first wife's funeral, Fern, seven years ago she passed away. But I know very clearly that if I pass away this afternoon, after I see Jesus, I'll see her. Why? Because there was a time in her life that she said yes to Jesus. Time in my life when I said yes to Jesus. And that's what makes the difference. And that's why it's very, very important. And so the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Jesus was transfigured before them in shining, shining light. And of course, Peter stumbled over his words. I kind of like Peter. I'm a little bit like him, impulsive. He wanted to build some little shelters for them because he didn't know what to say as God's word said. And then God, the Father, his voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. In that passage in Matthew 3, he doesn't use the word hear him, but at the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, hear him. You know, that's a good admonition to us as well. God is saying to you and to me, hear him. How do we hear him? Through God's word by the Holy Spirit. This is how I hear him every day, in God's word. This is how God gave me this message even for today. And of course, as we look at that, in Revelation, I love this passage, it says, behold, talking about Jesus, behold, he comes with clouds and every eye shall see him and they that pierced him shall also see him. Well, what does that mean? That's very, very specific, isn't it? God's word is very, very specific. Who really pierced him at the cross? Two thieves, murderers, one on each side of Jesus. They had not died. It was time to take the bodies off the crosses because it was near sundown. The thief on one side had his legs broken so he could fall and suffer and die. The thief on the other side, the same thing. When they came to Jesus, they see that he'd already died. He'd given up the ghost, as God's word said. It is finished, as he said. And the man took the spear and speared him and God's word says that out of his side came blood and water. He was already dead. This passage of scripture in Revelation says, and they that pierced him shall also see him. God's word is so exact. Those that placed that crown of thorns on Jesus' head, he was pierced with the crown of thorns. The man, the soldier, Roman soldier that stabbed him in the same way he pierced him. Every eye will see him, that scripture says, and the ones that pierced him shall also wail because of him, because they see him. Of course, that kind of relates to Paul's letter in Philippians 2 when he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and what is to come. And I pray this prayer pretty well every day that I would have the mind of Jesus Christ that I would have the mind of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mao of China that subjected, multiplied millions of people, killed millions and millions of people and the dictators over the years. God's word says, every knee will bow. 
Every leader that we've had in Canada or the United States will bow. I will bow and I will confess him as Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful. So a couple things I want to remind you of. The first thing is keep short accounts with God. If you don't know Jesus personally, you need to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins and make me into the person that you want me to be. And that's what I started out many, many years ago, 60 years ago. I prayed that prayer and God honored that prayer. And then as we think of that, we also think every knee will bow. And therefore, we need to make sure that we enter his presence, that we don't have a lot of sin in our life. I try and make sure that I ask God to forgive me when I sin. Not next year. Do it daily. Keep clean because Jesus might come for me today and I'm going to have to see him. And so I want to be ready. Let me encourage you to So if you're a believer in Christ, do that. Keep short accounts with God. And then perhaps like I did, you needed to say, some of you maybe, Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive me. Keep short accounts with God. Very important. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Father, that you accept us. You justify us. You make us righteous because of the shed blood of Jesus. And we praise you and thank you for that. I want to thank you for Dallas, Leah, for Brooklyn and Boston, for extended family as well. Thank you for the elders. Thank you, God, for these faithful men and women. Thank you for their wives and husbands. Thank you, God, for the worship team, the tech team, do such a commendable job. We bless you and thank you for that. Thank you, Lord God, for the gifts and talents that you've given to each one. And Lord, we want to thank you for the ones who are so faithful in praying and giving to this ministry. We thank you. We ask you, God, for your continued blessing. And as they move forward for the summer, we ask you that that in this exciting time would just be a wonderful blessing. And yes, Lord, we think of Bible camp. What a wonderful experience for kids to know Jesus. So for all the ones who will be involved in Bible camp, we pray that you bless them. And thank you again for your presence in Christ's name. Amen. And Lord, we pray for our friend Bruce. And as he's asked for prayer for his eyes, that you would touch them. And God, that you would heal him. Thank you for all the work that they have helped to be accomplished in writing and reading and being able to look people face to face. And from giving counsel to calling people and challenging them to know you as their savior. We pray, God, that you would bring relief and healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.